0: Time is running out, calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your Reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives, to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. (laughs)
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the podcast. We're coming to you again from the Goat Locker studio here in Sevierville, Tennessee. My mother, Denise, and I are getting ready for another adventure that I will share with you all after it is over. Next week's episode will be a pre-recorded episode of an interview, more like a casual conversation with a conservative leader here in Tennessee. Mr. Gary Humble will be next week's guest on the podcast, Actually, the next two weeks, because the interview is broken up into two different parts. Mr. Gary Humble is the founder and executive director of Tennessee Stands. That is an organization that he founded in 2020, whose purpose is to awaken and equip all citizens to boldly assert their unalienable rights given to them, not by man, but naturally by God. Gary was also a candidate for state Senate earlier this year when he challenged the state Senate Majority Leader, Jack Johnson, who represents Senate District 27 over in Williamson County. Anyway, he challenged Jack Johnson for the GOP nomination and narrowly lost in the primary last August. You'll hear me mention this in the episode, but the silver lining in that whole election, where, by the way, there are still some state GOP shenanigans going on, the silver lining is this. That by challenging Jack Johnson and almost winning, it has forced the state Senate Majority Leader to actually act like a conservative in the General Assembly. Gary Humble has been and is still doing great work for all Tennesseans. If you're not following Tennessee Stands on social media or have subscribed to their newsletter, please do so. Head over to their website, TennesseeStands.org. There's some great commentary and news on the website as well as some great merchandise. I hope you all tune in next week for the episode topic of liberty and the interview with a freedom fighter right here in Tennessee, Mr. Gary Humble. I'm looking forward to talking with him about he and his organization will continue to fight for the people's liberty right here in Tennessee in the coming year. But now let's get on to today's topic of lies. They are still coming fast and furious from the ruling elite, especially with the latest talk more like the continuation of the latest talk, about banning assault weapons. Assault weapons, according to the elite, have such a wide definition. Basically, in the minds of the leftists, communists, the ruling elites, they are any weapon that is not a musket from the late 1700s. That is how they like to interpret the Constitution. All rights protected by the Constitution keep up with modern technology Except for the people's constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. In their minds, the word arms in the Second Amendment only means the arms in existence at the time. At least that is what they tell people, while counting on the fact that people will not engage in any critical thinking skills, such as the types of firearms in existence at the time. They conveniently ignore certain facts that I'll go over here, such as the puckle gun. What is the Puckle Gun, you may ask? Well, in 1718, a Mr. James Puckle invented and patented a firearm that was essentially a machine gun. That is 73 years before the Bill of Rights were ratified and added to the document that limits government, not people. Anyway, this Puckle Gun had a preloaded cylinder which held 11 charges and could fire 63 shots in 7 minutes. That is nine shots a minute at a time when the standard soldier's musket could at best be loaded and fired three times a minute. This firearm was intended for use of on British ships to repel borders. Although never widely used, the puckle gun was known by the time of the American Revolution and the subsequent ratification of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Then there's this. Famed artist, inventor, and renaissance man Leonardo da Vinci he drew up plans for an armored vehicle in 1487. Yes, an armored vehicle, essentially a tank. That was more than 300 years before the Bill of Rights was ratified. Da Vinci also drew up plans for a multi barreled cannon in 1481, which sought to overcome the slow rate of fire of current cannons. A cannon with an increased rate of fire? Again, That is 300 plus years before the Second Amendment was added to our Constitution. Then there was the Ferguson rifle. This was a firearm invented by British Army Officer Major Patrick Ferguson. This firearm was a breech-loading flintlock rather than the standard muzzle-loaded rifle. Its rate of fire was two to three times faster than the standard muzzle-loader of the time which is what the communists and ruling elites believe is the only firearm the Second Amendment covers. Or how about this rifle in existence at the time of the passage of the Second Amendment? The Girandani Air Rifle. This rifle was an air gun designed by Tyrolean inventor Bartholomos Girandani around 1779. The Girandani Air Rifle was in service with the Austrian army from 1780 to around 1815. This rifle had a lethal combat range of 125 to 150 yards. Additionally, it had the advantage of a high rate of fire, no smoke from propellants, and a low muzzle report. It had a detachable magazine containing 19 rounds of ammo. In modern day America, this firearm's detachable magazine would be illegal in California, Colorado, Connecticut. Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and Vermont. Isn't that amazing? In the state where our War of Independence kicked off, Massachusetts, this firearm would now be illegal. So recently, the currently installed President of the United States, the ice cream connoisseur, he put out a statement through one of his spokespeople Trashing a sitting member of Congress because of her stance on unconstitutional gun laws. The flare up was because of Congresswoman Green's response to a proposed assault weapons ban being bandied about in the lame duck Congress. Congresswoman Green responded to one of Biden's many statements with the following claim about how an assault weapons ban would, quote, not stop a transgender from shooting up his own. LGBTQ community or any other murderer already breaking laws to kill people and would just create more defenseless victims. Unquote. Well you know, there's nothing factually incorrect about that statement, as news reports have shown about that Colorado shooter. Yet this administration responds with this quote, choosing the gun industry lobby over keeping our streets safe and protecting our children's lives is flatly unacceptable, which is why the president continues to advocate for an assault weapons ban. That is one of the ways the usurpers try to frame this argument, the gun industry lobby being chosen against protecting children's lives. That is a huge lie. Elected members of Congress, at least the ones that are against common-sense gun laws, are not choosing the gun industry lobby. They are choosing to follow their oaths to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America because that Constitution states this, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, unquote. So whenever the federal government, along with the individual state governments, seek to limit or restrict this constitutionally protected right, and any elected official that fights against infringing on that right, they're not choosing any lobby, gun industry, or other. They are choosing to ensure that the government does not violate the Constitution. In other words, they're upholding their oath. But there is more to this than meets the eye, because it isn't just about assault weapons. It is just about every other firearm. All those that are not single-shot revolvers are muzzle-loading rifles. Here's what the child sniffer had to say that reveals his and the rest of the ruling elites that parent this talking point, it reveals their true intentions. Quote, The idea that we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. Just sick. It has no, no socially redeeming value. Zero. None. None. Not a single solitary rationale for it except profit for the gun manufacturers. End quote. Did you catch that? He said semi-automatic weapon. That is just about every weapon out there right now. Handguns and rifles. The vast majority of modern guns sold and collected in our country today are semi-automatic. That means they fire a single shot with every pull of the trigger but automatically reload between shots. That's in contrast to fully automatic weapons where there are multiple shots from a single trigger pull. Why would our government not want the citizens to own firearms, even firearms that are similar in function to those in existence or designed at the time of the ratification of our Constitution? Why would they not want the citizens to possess these firearms? Why would they want the citizens to only be equipped with firearms vastly inferior to those that the government possesses? We know the why, don't we? For the same reason why the framers included the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights. The constitutionally protected right that ensures the citizens possess the means to, as stated in our Declaration of Independence, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. They cannot stand any threat to their continued hold on power and control, and a well-armed citizenry is a threat. Because they know that with every piece of pretend legislation they pass, which falls outside of the scope of the federal government's enumerated powers, they are destructive to the ends of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The poorly educated in this country, along with the many people incapable of or unwilling to exercise critical thinking, have a false view of the events of January 6, 2021. Every leftist on social media, encouraged by the ruling elite and unfree press, are still claiming that an armed insurrection happened that day. Trust me, if it was an armed insurrection, we would not be where we are today. Remember, the only person killed that day by a firearm was an unarmed female Trump supporter. She was killed by a Capitol police officer. A police officer, by the way, that has not suffered the same fate as other law enforcement personnel that have shot unarmed people in our country over the past few years. Listen, folks, shall not be infringed are plain language words. Well-regulated meant well-trained at the time of the passage of the Second Amendment, not what it means today in this era of government regulating nearly every aspect of our lives. Yet the ruling elite will lie about that, and twist those words into a modern interpretation. Militia meant every able-bodied man over the age of 16 in most states at the time of passage, again, not the current lie about what a militia is. The right of the people to keep and bear arms are also plain language words. Everything that comes out of our state and national capital since 1791 that infringes on our right to keep and bear arms is blatantly unconstitutional. And we have had very few elected officials with the intestinal fortitude to state as such. That is why we need to support the ones that do state that, as well as attempt to legislate as such. If they only pay lip service to the Second Amendment, they need to be replaced at the earliest opportunity. I believe we can state with confidence that any time somebody in Washington, D.C., or Nashville, or any state capitol opens their mouths about the Second Amendment, it is more often than not a lie about what it states and what it means. Well, that's enough about the lies coming from the federal government, but keep a watch on this assault weapons ban. And now we'll take this opportunity to pause for a word from the show's sponsor, Anchor.fm. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I've been using Anchor since the start of this podcast and they have not let me down. But let's cover some more lies. These are coming from the state level, though. First, let's focus on the shenanigans in Arizona. What a complete poop show that is, don't you agree? Here are some interesting facts about that last election that the ruling elite do not want you to think about. In 2022 and this is according to Maricopa County, 75.4% of Republicans turned out for the midterm election. That is up from 2018 numbers. Also, in this midterm, only 68.5% of Democrats turned out. That number is down from the last midterm election that occurred in 2018. In Arizona, there are more registered Republicans, one million four hundred thirty-six thousand eight hundred fifty-two. Then there are Democrats at 1,270,544. That is a difference of more than 160,000 in favor of the GOP. Yet the only member of the GOP to benefit from that huge numerical advantage, both in voting and numbered of registered voters, was the candidate for treasurer? Here are just some of the problems with the election in Maricopa County multiple failures related to ballot-on-demand printers, tabulators experiencing problems reading ballots printed by the ballot-on-demand printers at between 60 to 118 voting locations. There was a lack of training related to the check-in, check-out procedures for e-poll books. Door 3 ballots, which Maricopa County failed to adhere to the statutory guidelines in segregating, counting, tabulating, tallying, and transporting failure to reconcile check-ins and ballots cast against check-in at the voting locations erroneous instructions advising check-in voters to vote elsewhere vote provisionally elsewhere drop off a mail ballot all three of which will result in the voters ballots not being counted untold numbers of voters giving up and leaving without voting Failure to provide voting materials for the accessible voting machines required by federal law, which could have been used to allow voting. A multitude of errors in just one county that all resulted in the numerical advantage of registered GOP voters and turnout being completely wiped out. Fishy, right? And why do all these voting errors always benefit one party over another? I don't know about you, but I have yet to hear how any of the way elections and their supporting systems have been handled across the nation have tilted a race in favor of the GOP. Claims that these things happen all the time would be much more believable if both parties benefited from them in equal numbers. That isn't the case, though, is it? The claims are lies, but the problem is most people believe the lies. They also believe the lie that these systems make it easier to conduct free and fair elections. You know, the French outlawed mail-in voting in 1975. Do you want to know why? The reasons giving at the time to get rid of mail-in voting are the same reasons not to reintroduce it today, namely, that it can and did permit significant fraud. Yet here we are in the United States of America, Not only permitting it, but actively promoting it. Because it disproportionately benefits one party and one party alone. Well, actually two parties. The Democrat Party and the Uniparty. Which is really, both of them together are just one party when you think about it. There are more accurate and reliable voting systems out there, but no movement to get rid of our current fraud-prone systems. Why? We all know the why. The current systems are lies told to us to give us the illusion of liberty. Elections aren't the only thing our government lies to us about as well. Recent reporting has revealed that the Tennessee Department of Children's Services, DCS, shows that the state of Tennessee is incentivized to keep children in state custody. Just why would they do that, you would ask? Well, any sane person would ask that question. It seems that in order to keep federal funding continuing at or above previous year levels, DCS engages in this behavior. Much like federal funding, and remember, it's first obtained through taxing all citizens in our country, much like federal funding goes towards COVID relief as well as state education. The DCS budget is funded with both state and federal tax dollars. Nearly half, between 35 and 40 percent of DCS funding, comes from the federal government. And since federal funding is involved, it comes with strings attached. Same story over and over again. This is how the federal government has inserted itself into all facets of our lives. Federal funding is just a redistribution of our own money. This particular DCS funding matches state funding on a near dollar-to-dollar match, and it is also a use-it-or-lose-it type of federal funding. I have my fair share of experience with that type of funding from my time in the Navy. When it gets near the end of the fiscal year, spending on maintenance training gets ramped up, all to ensure that the federal funding is used up and future year projections are not dropped because a unit does not use all of the monies allocated to it throughout the year. It's a ridiculous way of operating. Anyway, in order for the state to get this federal funding, DCS must take a child out of their home and place him or her into state custody usually means foster care. This funding ensures that foster parents get a monthly paycheck for each child the state has placed into their custody. There are many factors which go into figuring out the dollar amount. Factors such as complexity and difficulty in raising the child which all contribute to a per DM rate per child. At the highest levels one child can net a family a rate of $300 a day. There are many other items that go into this figure as well but the per diem the foster parents receive is tax-free. The child is also enrolled in 10 care and receives many other benefits. Also, while the child is in state custody, which includes foster care, the birth parents must pay child support to the state. All of this is to say that the more children that are in state custody, the more money the state receives from both the taxpayer and the federal government. What a racket. And you know who the biggest sufferer is? Yes, it's the child. In 2010, DCS had a total budget of $652.8 million. The most recent 2021 budget grand totals exceeded $993 million, almost a billion dollars. And they continue to ask for more money. This is not an agency that cares for children any longer. It's just another part of government that is designed to rob us of our sweat equity through state taxes and federal taxes, and the children are the ones suffering. Another lie here closer to home from our neighbors up in Knoxville, the city government is lying to the public by omission. The Knoxville City Council approved a bill to pay an organization called the Police Executive Research Forum the sum of $43,000 to search for Knoxville's next police chief. This is a total lack of transparency on the part of the city mayor. By engaging with an outside organization to search for their next police chief, the city did not want the taxpayers of Knoxville to find out who the candidates' names were. And they also used the contract they signed with the police executive research forum to deny multiple open record requests from citizens and local news outlets. Elected officials, the mayor, and a city council committee created a scheme to avoid creating documents that would be accessible under Tennessee's government transparency laws. If you think Knoxville is the only city in our nation doing this, you would be sadly mistaken. I have said it before and will continue to say it until government is returned to citizen control. Not the control based upon voter apathy that created this ruling elite, But until the people start participating in our system of self-governance once again, our government, at all levels, will continue to operate on the basis that it hates us. In another example of the state redistributing our wealth comes news that the Tennessee State Funding Board is picking winners and losers in the economy again. Which is definitely not a constitutional role for the government. We talked about the State Funding Board in the past. They initially picked what they thought would be a winner in Oracle, and it turns out the losers are Tennessee taxpayers. They are at it again with LG Chemical by providing them a $40 million incentive payment to build a manufacturing facility in Clarksville. Our State General Assembly is facilitating, with our tax dollars, the largest foreign direct investment in Tennessee history. LG Chem is the largest Korean chemical company and is headquarters in Seoul, South Korea. This company had a reported revenue of over $20 billion in 2012. Do you think they could afford to fund this new facility on their own? Of course they could. But it is our government allowing a foreign company to have a say in what happens on our own soil. Much like the General Assembly did with Ford Motor Company last year, they are selling out our individual state sovereignty to companies and corporations, and now a foreign corporation. There are a couple of other companies receiving taxpayer-funded incentives that came out of the recent meeting as well. Again, all of this is to say that our government, while performing functions outside of its constitutionally designed role, are picking winners and losers in the free market, and the only things on the hook are our tax dollars and our sovereignty, our liberty. The ruling elite here in Tennessee and in Washington, D.C., hate us, and they no longer fear us. They can get away with avoiding transparency laws because they know the electorate is too filled with apathy to do anything about it. Our own government willingly engages in ways to redistribute our sweat equity that only serves to further increase the size and scope of government because our apathy allows them to continue down that path. Our government and their willing allies in the Uniparty will continue to control the outcome of elections because the electorate is filled with apathy. Our government uses our tax dollars and wagers on winners and losers in the free market economy. The primary beneficiary of their wagering is not the people's liberty, but it is their hold on power and control. In fact, the people's liberty is often on the losing end of those government wagers, either through the loss of our sweat equity or the loss of our sovereignty. In closing, this week's Wisdom from God's Word comes to us from Ephesians 6.14. Stand firm, then, with a belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. We must all stand firm in this era of increasing government lies. No matter the party in charge, the government that was instituted by the people to secure their liberty no longer serves that function. The ruling elite that has taken over our government, taken over because of our apathy, they lie to us so frequently it is second nature. Lies that only serve to keep themselves in power and control. They spread lies about our self-evident, inalienable, God-given, constitutionally protected rights so they may put forth legislation to deny us those same rights. They lie to us about elections and election systems so they may continue to subvert them and use them to maintain their positions of power And influence. They lie to us about functions of government and the ever increasing need for our sweat equity to pay for programs that do not increase our liberty, but that work to enslave children for profit and their benefit. They lie to us about their unconstitutional involvement in the picking of winners and losers in the free market, which, in the end, only serves to transfer more of our sweat equity to systems and organizations that also work to erode the people's liberty. Stand firm against these lies. Expose them. More importantly, keep track of them and remember them the next time an election comes along. Also, use them to fix the election systems they have turned for their benefits. Stand firm in the truth thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend and the coming week ahead. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.